Forgotten Flicks, episode 102. Friend, blink. Everything's dark at night. There will be no escape. Fear is the killer. That's what grandmother wants you to learn. Eddie, your cage is starting to shake loose. Jesus. Guys and ghouls, and welcome to the 2013 Spooky Flicks Fest! It is I, Count Cordiva, welcoming you to the final episode. So, what does a rubber chicken, a Rolodex, and demonic possession have in common? Uh, absolutely nothing. Well, other than the fact that I'm a big fan of all three. But I digress. For in tonight's sinister story, you're going to learn exactly why George C. Scott always seemed so damn gruff, and why you should never, and I repeat, never trust a gardener with a giant silver pruning shears. Yes, it's The Exorcist Part 3 from 1990. Oh, and be sure to check out Creature Feature, the weekly web program at www.gothcore.com. And one more thing. <laughs> Happy Halloween! <laughs> Happy Halloween, Zeev. Because technically when you're hearing this for the first time, if you heard it when it first came down <laughs> the iTunes pipes... <laughs> it's the day before Halloween, but we all digress. I am Joel. Welcome to Forgotten Flicks, joined by that evil, little, wonderful <laughs> bastard himself, Jason. This is the best night because, you know, we're ramped up for all month for Halloween. This is the best because it's close to Halloween, but we don't have to hand out Damn candy to those bratty kids that come to the oh, door. We get to eat it all ourselves. And you know what the best piece of candy we get to eat tonight? That sounds like a horribly inappropriate setup for what's coming next. For three years running, folks, we are joined by the one, the only, Mr. Daryl Taylor, podcaster extraordinaire. Hello. And 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 I I guess I just referred to you candy that we may or may not consume. I apologize. Ah. Don't kill me. T- D- Daryl is a trooper. He has uh, what did you call it? Was it was it the nerdabola virus or the? I just call it the nerd virus. It just has everything mixed together. Okay, okay. Uh, apparently, he may have been at a convention of some sort, where he may have encountered folks who may or may not have been exposed to swine flu, SARS, and various other um, um, buggy-like conditions. Yeah, other nerd viruses. <laughs> and he is barely hanging on, but he is here tonight. Because I know all year long, Daryl, considering the last time we apparently had you on the show, <laughs> was Halloween. Yes. For Halloween uh, last year. You are here now. But even with that, even with that huge year-long gap, I still think, Jason and I were discussing this the other day, you are the the guest who's been 
on the most with us. Yay. I know. <laughs> I know that just totally made your... Because <laughs> we did Star Wars, Superman, yeah, All the big ones for sure, yeah. Night of the Living Dead. Oh, yeah. Trancers. And Trancers. Yep. So this is half a dozen. Yep. This makes a good half a dozen, right? Nice. Hopefully we can have you on a little sooner next time. I, that would be good. <laughs> It'd be nice. Yes, it would. And uh, before we continue moving forward, I want to tell you guys right up front, special thanks to Midnight Syndicate, who we use their music in the intro, as you heard. Uh, those guys are fantastic. Jason and I had the distinct pleasure of interviewing them. Uh, we are going to have a bonus episode with them that's going to be actually launched on Halloween Day. So yep. we're really excited about that. Ed, Gavin, the guys who do Bendai Syndicate, they're fantastic guys. So thanks to them. And thanks to Count Gore for that fantastic uh, horror-hosted intro. The mm -hmm. horror-hosting thing was my <laughs> geeking out deal. I love those horror I know you do. Intros, I know you do. But I, those I, are fantastic. I, 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 I somewhat pushed the issue. I'm sure you would have come <laughs> up with something a, a little creepier, but... I, I love me some horror hosts. So I love it. They're, they're great. I know you do. I know you do. And in <laughs> Count Gore, you can find him at countgore.com, and I'll have everybody's stuff in the show notes. And Midnight Syndicate has got this whole Kickstarter campaign, which we go into in the bonus, but it's great. You definitely got to check that out and support them. Um, and as I say in the bonus, Jason and I are two lowly fathers of many. We can we are basically <laughs> going to have a child each that's going to go without food because we're going to contribute to their Kickstarter campaign. <laughs> nice. So think about that one, folks, before you say, oh, I can't afford 10 or $20. Yeah, you can. Nice. So, gentlemen, before we get into tonight's fearful feature, which will be Exorcist 3 from 1990 and perhaps a little uh, Exorcist, I don't want to say part one because it just sounds weird, the Exorcist talk, I have a surprise for everyone. Jason, do you do you remember back in the day we used to get regular feedback, voicemail feedback? Yeah, we used to get actual phone calls from people. I know, I know, I know. And, and you know, who knows? Who knows what the future holds? Maybe in some way, shape, or form that will rear Maybe. its ugly, ugly head again in our lives. But hey. I have a surprise for you. Oh, please. We have feedback tonight, Jay. <gasps> and it's one that you know oh so well. And you will appreciate on so many levels. Hey guys, it's uh, it's Peter. I'm up, uh, taking a walk, walking the dog, and uh, as you can probably hear, it's late, it's dark, and uh, not a whole lot of people here. At least not here, anyway. Not in there either. No, never mind. I just wanted to uh, take the opportunity to uh, wish you guys a happy Halloween. And uh, and the listeners, of course. And I don't know when the, you're going to play this one, maybe. Hey, Daryl. And I have to play it on that episode. Ha! <laughs> nah, happy Halloween, guys. And uh, I just wanted to say that, okay? Come here, dog. So, uh, it's not... Uh, you guys hear that? What was that? Maybe I'm, maybe I'm not alone. Well, not as alone as I thought. That's what kind of dark down there. Maybe I shouldn't go down there. Nah, you know what? What the hell is that? Uh, nah, I, I'm just a. I'm gonna, I'm gonna turn you the other way. Come on, 
I'm, I'm getting the hell out of here, guys. Okay? Okay? I'm getting out of here. Thanks for that call, Peter. <laughs> it was great hearing from you. <laughs> On a side note, it was, it was all nice future feedback you. will not include Peter Nielsen. <laughs> well, it may or may not. We can't. We can neither confirm nor deny. Whether his body, I mean, <laughs> whether he's come home yet. Oh, no. Peter's great. Yes, he is. Dude, when he sent that to me, and I was just oh, I was like, oh, what a sweet uh, Halloween. They threw the Daryl thing. Oh, that's clever. And then he inserted the screen. Did you guys hear the scream? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And I was I just started. I just started smiling. I was like, oh, you brilliant, brilliant <laughs> son of a bitch. That I was, love it. I, I know. That was fantastic. Thank you, Peter. That's awesome. That was a nice Halloween treat. That was a nice treat. We're not insinuating that wasn't real, by the way. No. Totally real. He's so, great. He sends in um, feedback for uh, Nothing's On. He listens to Nothing's On that I do. That's awesome. The TV podcast. And it, it was fun uh, when, he, when he sends an email in. Yeah, he's awesome. He is yeah. He is a, 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 a giant hulking mass of awesome is what that guy is. <laughs> yeah. He is seven foot tall mass of awesome. <laughs> yes, yep. he is. <laughs> so, on that note, gents, All right. would you like to hear a trailer for The Exorcist Part 3? Yes. All right. Yeah. from your father. The boy had been crucified. I've just never seen anything like this in 20 years. The killer drove an ingot into each of his eyes and cut off his head. It freaks me out, man. <laughs> it's so oh. fun scaring the grooms. It is good. <laughs> so, gents. Yes. I know what I'm I'm in the mood for. Do you know what I'm in the mood for? Love. Always. Always. Uh, no. 
Okay. But specifically, I'm in the mood for one of Jason's amazingly pithy synopses. <laughs> That's really what I'm in the mood for. Of course. <laughs> pithy um, was the operative word. Pithy. Pissy is what well, I'm in the mood for. So, uh, yeah, so this is, uh, this is The Exorcist 3 we're covering today. And we'll, I'm sure we'll go back and reference uh, one because a lot of the story relates back to that. Um, and I know you and I both watched it in preparation for this. So we'll go back to that a little bit, but specifically for this one, uh, this is a story of a cop, a detective named Kinderman played by George C. Scott and, uh, his friend, father Dyer, uh, played by Ed Flanders. And they both, uh, on the anniversary of the death of their friend, father Damien, who was the guy that was, um, uh, in the exorcist one who no spoilers here died at the end. Uh, what? Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, not really. So that's what we learn. But so the, on the anniversary of his death, uh, they try they meet up and they try and cheer each other up. They have lunch together, go to a movie, that kind of thing. Um, and at the same time, the lieutenant is investigating these horrific murders, these um, these graphic, uh, almost uh, religious looking. As one kid oh, is crucified. Say, wait, did you say almost? Well, not all of them are, just the first one really Yo, they're is. Right, you're right. All the ones against the priest, there's definitely nothing religious. But the it. murder itself wasn't some mm. like religious symbolism. But anyway, so <laughs> they are these completely grotesque, horrific murders uh, that he's trying to investigate, which leads him to this hospital and a very special patient in the hospital that he comes across uh, and um, begins to investigate what's up with that patient who we find out is responsible for all of this. So I'll kind of leave it at that so we can talk into it, but um, that's kind of the, the main gist of it. Is that, right? is that good? I think that was brilliant. Pithy yeah. and pissy all at the same time. And succinct. That too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Daryl, let me ask you straight out. Had you seen this movie before? I have, and I totally forgot the whole thing. Like what I, I like. Well, since you, since you watched it for the show here, or like since the first time you saw it, uh, both. Okay, <laughs> but I remember George C. Scott, and that's it. Like I don't, and the nurse that yells at everybody. Uh, oh, I don't oh, wait, wait, remember. wait, wait, there. You mean? Yes. That that lady. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Nurse alerted. Yes. Yes. Very spooky. <laughs> Everybody yells though in that clinic. Everyone yells from yes. across the room. Well, in a clinic where 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 some of the stuff that goes down like that, I, I would yell too. Well, it, and it and it appears to be a blend of like regular hospital and sanatorium for the criminally well, insane. Actually, I do know that a lot of general hospitals will have a quote-unquote, you know, fifth floor where that is where they do have folks that have a lot of let's just say issues along those lines. That's not uncommon. <laughs> yeah, but at a hospital, why why would you usually they don't want you to be loud? So why are they yelling? Yeah. <laughs> Most down specific- you know what? You know what? You know what, Daryl, let me let me answer that this way. Is it? <laughs> it is. Is it a crime? Okay. Yes. It is. Yes. So, <laughs> so this has some actually some big names in it. Um, I was actually really impressed, and and I want to get into that here in a second. But 
let me ask Joel. I'm going to go out way out on a limb here. I'm crawling out to the end. You have actually maybe seen this before. Uh, it's possible. I also may have and possibly still do own the VHS. Nice. And, and yeah, I remember, I recall cause I was a huge, uh, the exorcist fan exorcist to the heretic. This is the only time I'm bringing up that abomination. It is a, it's, it is heretical. Oh my God. Have you guys seen that? No, just yeah. watch the trailer. The trailer tells you everything you need to flip and know. That movie is horrible. I have never been able to get through more than 15 to 20 minutes straight. Uh, I'm sure I've seen bits of it, you know, like all together. Maybe I've seen two thirds of it, but it's like I can't ever take more than like maybe even 10 to 15. It's so bad. It's awful. It's boring and just disco-y. It's sort of like Jason's favorite movie of all time, Xanadu, by way of The Exorcist. <laughs> Is what I remember. Like it has that vibe. It's just, it's just. Oh, it's horrible. Oh my god. It's just. It's, Funny you mention that movie because I may or may not be bringing up something that relates to that today. <laughs> of course you are. Of course you. Only are. if you mention the the little special spin around the circle she did a little disco spin at the uh, end. Yeah. That saved the world. Why does it make me more like? Love and Daryl that he knows that, but yet when Jason says crap like that, it just makes, makes me more. It makes me yeah. want to like punch him in the throat. Why is that? <laughs> okay, so this is a good time to bring up the the fact that the guy that wrote the original Exorcist, William Peter Blatty, also wrote and directed Exorcist Three, mm-hmm. but had nothing to do with Part Two. And he is proud to tell you that, as is William Friedkin, who directed The Exorcist. Right. Uh, and, and of course, Blatty wrote both novels because three is actually based on a novel called Legion. It's not called Exorcist Three. That was a marketing move. Right. He apparently wanted to call it Legion. Yeah. Right. So um, that was something I thought was funny because you watch the opening credits for this. Um, have you ever seen uh, the, the Mr. Bean movie where he goes on vacation? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. And they make fun of at the end or at the film festival. It's a, a Bob Jones production starring Bob Jones. Yes. Produced by Bob Jones film. That's what I felt like the introduction to the to the Exorcist three was like. William Peter Blatty's The Exorcist three, written by William Peter Blatty, directed by William. I mean, it's like they flashed his name up like ten times. Yeah. <laughs> which you, which actually with a studio movie is a little more uncommon because indie movies you get that all the time. Yeah, right. The same right. name eighteen times in the credits, but. Yeah, but he actually uh, wrote the um, uh, wrote the books of mm-hmm. both of those. Uh, and then he also wrote the screenplay. Mm-hmm. Uh, for, and he actually, for the original, for um, The Exorcist, he won an Oscar for Best Writer. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he won the Oscar for that. Which was, I didn't bother checking because apparently I'm lazy. Was The Exorcist up for Best Picture that year? Yes, it was. Okay, it I was thought... up for like uh, – let me see. I wrote them down here. Hold on. Uh, it won for Best Writing, uh-huh. uh, William Peter Blatty. Best Sound, it won. Yeah, well, no, yeah, no uh, and doubt. then the other ones, it was nominated for Best Picture – Best Actress, Best Supporting Actor, um, Best Supporting Actress, Director, Cinematography, Art, and Editing. So all the big ones. And actually, I think wasn't I think that year was also the first year they did some sort of special, uh, a special special effects award because up to that point they didn't actually uh, ah. do a, an Academy Award for special effects. Really? So for Dick Smith's work, which obviously is incredible, I mean, just yeah, fucking yeah. amazing. But and, especially when you figure, oh, that's you know pre CGI and and actually yeah, pre yeah. you know pre the eighties 
boon of, of of special effects and animatronics and things. It's pre all that stuff, so it's yeah, it's some pretty pretty amazing right. stuff. And now, it won. Um, it actually also won four Golden Globes. Uh, uh, that that next that same year. So was, now, what uh, about the People's Choice Awards? Was that around in 1973? <laughs> um, oh, I'm gonna okay. say no. Okay. Um. <laughs> it, well, here's the question, and and just by answering this, you'll prove my point. What beat The Exorcist that year? Uh, for best picture was it, was or it, for for what? For best picture. Uh, seventy three. Because seventy two was Godfather, right? Um, that one I that one I give a pass to, right? But so I couldn't remember what the best picture was for seventy three, and I didn't look it up, obviously, because I didn't. Academy Awards nineteen seventy three, uh, The Godfather won. In what that was it seventy three? But at, uh, that was seventy three, which I think was from the year before. Yeah, right. Yeah. So they then, what beat The Exorcist? The Sting. Eh. I don't know about that. No, no. Yeah, I mean, I like Redford and all, but... And Newman, yeah. And Redford I... and Newman together, but no. Sorry. Uh, no. 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 Yeah. So, Although sorry. it doesn't prove my point the way I really wanted to, like Chariots of Fire being Raider, beating Raiders of the Lost Ark would prove my point, but that's okay. <laughs> no, not that bad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not that bad. So, um, so anyway, yeah, um, I have... I, I like Daryl. I have seen it, but I... Swear to God, I remember nothing about it. Yeah, right. None of it. Um, I may have seen it once, uh, but I really don't remember anything about it. And not to give too much away, watching it again this time, I s- kind of see why. Um, yeah. There are some great performances in this, and there are a couple of shots and scenes that I think are cinematically brilliant. Like, I don't talk like, That one? Yeah. So I'm going to go ahead and lay that one out there right now. This is the scene where um, they – I forget what's happened up to this point, but they're in the hospital. And it's after uh, Kinderman, who's the, who's played by George C. Scott, the cop. He, uh, he's talked to Patient X. And basically Patient X turns out he's uh, uh, Father Damien from the original. And inside of him is the spirit – of the Gemini killer. You mean Chucky? Uh, no. <laughs> uh, I could prove it. Did you hear what he said? <laughs> Childs. Okay. Of course. So it's Brad Dorff uh, plays the Gemini killer who is his soul has gone, uh, went into Father Damien's body as he was dying at the end. Uh, and so his performances were brilliant. But at one point he's talking to the, uh, to Kinderman, and he says something like, um, you know, I'm coming for Amy or something like that. And they kind of cut off, and he, he goes... No, he does the good night moon thing. Remember, he goes, good night moon, good night yeah. night or air or whatever. He says, uh, good night, Amy. Amy, that's right. Um, and so it turns out Amy is the nurse at the nurse's station at one of the parts of the hospital. And so um, definitely check out our Facebook page. I'm going to put the link to... Uh, the clip up there because it's a famous clip she walks up and down this hallway she checks on one patient he jumps up and there's kind of a, a black cat scared boo moment when he's like what the hell are you doing in here i'm got what's your name and he gets all upset and well, he had course, to do that so that so he could say she could say so we know oh, her it's, name. it's amy right. yeah and then she walks out and but the entire it she walks out she goes over 
checks a door, nothing's in there. She turns around, and as she walks away, everything is very slow and paced. As she turns to walk away, bam, something comes out of that door and comes Yes. And that sound happens. But I think one of the things that makes that scene so freaking scary is that most of the time the shot is way down the hallway. So you are literally sitting at the end of this hallway watching this stuff play out way at a distance and you don't move. There's only twice that they break camera and once is in with that that guy that, that wakes up and gets all upset and then once when she's sitting at the uh, at the nurse's station. But the rest of the time it almost feels like you're like you're chained to a chair or like you're in a straight jacket or something, which I don't know if that's actually a play to Brad Dorf character was in a straight jacket in the sanatorium the whole time. Feels like and he's observing it. Yes. It almost felt like that. Like well, you were in the place when the thing um, I was going to, the, the thing I was going to remember the other day I said at lunch, I didn't want to, cause you hadn't watched it yet. So I didn't want to say yeah. specifically the other thought I had was, and this is, you know, major spoiler alert, but as it turns out, uh, the Gemini killer, the reason he's able to, kill other people as it turns out is he is possessing the elderly catatonics in the hospital so my thought was well it's almost like maybe while he's possessing the elderly body or the or they like their spirits almost like just stuck locked down and that oh maybe you know at the end there can only observe what's happening so i yeah i'm i'm reaching on that one but who's a thought but it definitely feels you feel helpless because you're at that end and um it's freaky so so so, uh, i'm curious daryl you know yeah. what you know of what scene he speaks, correct? Yes, I think I, re- I recall that. Okay, scene. what what was your reaction to that scene? <clears throat> well, what I noticed about the movie is every time it was a lot of takebacks. Like every time you look at somebody and don't pay attention, and then you look back again, there's something different. Like there's an eye; the eyes are changed, mm-hmm. or the you have to look at the name tag. Or so I found myself having to pay attention. <laughs> Sorry about that. Yeah. <laughs> so it was already a strike against this movie. I got it. Sorry, it's a strike because you have to pay attention because if you don't, you turn away and then you hear a scream. You don't know why. Yeah. <laughs> Which what? the movie does a lot. Like this, this director really wanted you to to be confused the entire movie. Like what? you what? never can close your eyes because you don't know what's going to happen next. And I think one of the, one of the creepier aspects of it, one of the things that I really liked about it was to what you're saying. Did you guys catch the little subtle things? Obviously it was one of them. Some of them were obvious, like when the statue of Jesus's eyes open or yeah, that's kind of freaky. Yeah. Well, or, yeah. or later on when Kinderman's in the church talking to the priest and then the woman comes in but there's that Im- that statue of that bishop or whatever he is and then when they cut to him later it looks like the damn like a like a the joker was psycho enough but amp that up a thousand percent and then give him a dagger and just this evil ass look on his face did you catch that yeah yep it's like stuff like that just these subtle in the background things that are just creepy as hell yeah all of it's creepy yeah it was creepy i mean no matter what you think about the movie as a whole it's freaking creepy Yes, and I'll give you that. And I will say that that scene was probably – it's probably one of the scariest scenes of a horror movie just from the way it was built and yeah. how much tension was in it. Um, but I think overall I was I was a little disappointed, and especially I watched these movies back-to-back, Exorcist and this, and I, I've seen I, The Exorcist I, I, more. I did that too, yep. Yep. Um, but I was a little disappointed because some of the things I didn't like about the movie were I felt like there was way too much um, – exposition and dialogue like the whole a lot of the time 
Kinderman is in the room, hospital room, with Brad Dorf's character, um, which switch back, switches back and forth between uh, Damien and, and the Gemini killer. But right. it's like he has to explain every single thing that's going on. And, and that's what showbiz lieutenant, the effect. Yeah, he, he literally he just kind of told you every single thing that was going on in the movie and why. And here's what's happening. And I'm doing this and I'm. And I'm like, I actually prefer when that's either not explained or they try and hint at it through the action in the movie. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So going back to The Exorcist 1, there was no explanation of any of that. There mm-hmm. was no – you don't know who that was. You don't know demon, nothing. You just know this girl is possessed by some shit, and she's all kinds of gr- gross and crazy. <laughs> and Yeah, Ouija board, and that's all you get. Cap- right. No, you get Captain Howdy. Captain Howdy, and even that. Like, what does that even mean? It was just an innocuous, almost a it's, it's, it's childlike It's a Twisted name. Sister reference? No? Anybody? I don't know. Yeah, not 1973, it wasn't. I, I, oh, no, it was, okay. <laughs> Ten years later, but still. <laughs> but I, I just didn't like the fact that it seemed like he, ex- that it was so much had to be explained. It almost, uh, you know, it was just almost too much and, and took away from it. And then all of that dialogue made, slowed it down for me. Well, well the, he, before he, I go into why you're wrong, Daryl, can you continue? Oh, well, <laughs> even with the uh, the the beginning of the movie, the scenes with Kinderman and Father Dyer were like, uh, oh, you can just call it old man, uh, just old man port sitting. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they complained about every like, every, yes. but it was funny. You guys didn't think that all that stuff was funny. It was funny. <laughs> But in something like this, it didn't. It didn't really add to Exorcist. I mean, it didn't no. even add. It didn't add to what a horror movie. This seemed more like a a bad situation comedy with two old guys. No, see, I, 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 I thought. I, here's the thing. I your old men. I think if you go into this movie, and I watched Exorcist first as well, and then I the next night I watched Exorcist three, and if you go into this Exorcist three expecting the Exorcist, you will be horribly disappointed because they're not yeah. the same type of movie at all. No. No. And, and and there's a couple of key elements to keep in mind with all of it. Number one, William Peter Blatty's intention with this movie was not for it to be The Exorcist. It was supposed to be called Legion. The studio right. stepped in. They apparently had to do some major reshoots. Jason Miller, who played Father Karras, he yeah. was an addition after the fact. Originally, it was all Brad Dorif. They wanted a connection physically to the original movie. And because the character that George C. Scott is playing is supposed to be the detective that was investigating in the original film. Right. But that actor died. And so they ended up bringing George C. Scott. Now, there's also some major continuity flubs with all that, because first off, this movie was you know, came out in 1990. They refer to it happening 15 years ago. Well, last time I checked, that would have been 1975. Exorcist came out in 73. Now, you could make the argument, well, you know, they never said in the original exorcist it's 1973 so i oh, never said what year it was yeah and and for instance the other problem was if you think about the relationship in the movie the exorcist now i have not read the novel so this could be the reason in the movie though did you guys get the vibe that father karis and that inspector were best friends yeah you got the, you got the vibe that they were best friends not be- well no, no because that's when he was kind of threatening him 
Remember, he because the the cops. Yeah, he, kind of but, yeah exactly. At first, they don't. But I was getting is at first they didn't even really seem to know. They didn't know each other. It no. was they, you like kids. He goes, you like movies. You like pictures, and they get that's what that's their connections. They love both love movies, but in this movie, George C. Scott, the way he talks about Karis, you would have thought they'd grown up together. Yeah, but it's it's not. It wasn't to me that that I'm comparing the two movies. I'm not. I I know that they're not the same. And I know that this wasn't meant to be the same type of movie. It had some elements the same. You know, it's obviously got the priesthood and then there's the demonic element to it and and that type of thing. I see this as a completely different movie because this is more about, you know, murder investigation and a paranormal bent to that. Uh, and then how it leads to a psychopath who's not, you know, who's not really there and how he does. I don't compare the two on that level. I just felt like there was way too much exposition in this way mm-hmm. too much explanation and and like daryl said even some of the scenes seem to drag on way too long and it slowed everything w- way down now it still felt very creepy overall right but there was just a lot of stuff that was like yeah this you know you could go to sleep <laughs> easily it was very forgettable a lot of the scenes i i think you're right in that some of the scenes went on a little too long i yeah. also think in the hands of lesser actors, there's no way in hell they work. But because of George C. Scott and Brad Dorf, like the whole time I'm watching yeah. those scenes, I kept thinking, if it was anybody but these guys, I don't think this works at all. Like I just because oh, oh. it felt like to me, here's the thing. I began as I watched it, because yeah, I had seen it several times, and that scene with the 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 you know I don't know what the hell you call it, the white cheated, you know, clan reject yeah. with the giants, uh-huh. you know shears trying to kill the nurse or whatever and that scene the scary scene i played that thing as a kid multiple times in a row and every time it just scared the crap out of me there's something about the the pacing like you said jason and the editing and just everything about that that was creepy and what i i like this time around is it occurred to me this movie is a police procedural it's not i mean it's a horror movie because it has the supernatural elements but it is very much a police procedural and it felt like it could have almost been a play. And I mean that in a good way. I don't mean that in a bad Like yeah. I always could see if somebody wanted to adapt this as a play, it might even be a cool play to go to because there is so many of those moments just between those two characters. I, uh, yeah. you know I, what I'm saying? I see yeah. I see that. Uh, Kinderman and, and the Gemini killer, uh, Brad, uh, Dorf, just the interaction between them two, if they had done more, Cut out some of the silly parts, like some of the silly parts with the nurse yelling. Yes, that take that took me out of the movie. You know what? You know what? You know what? You know what, Daryl? You know what I have to say about that? And and come on, or I mean, you really? That just doesn't. It just and even the dialogue of some of the nurses, it made me feel like. This is not the same movie. Like when they're in the room together, just those two men looking at each other, force of will. Like I'm going to destroy you. Like they're bitter. Like I'm playing with you. I am. I'm going to to do all types of things to you. Say all types of crazy things to you, to drive you to the point of your own destruction. And he mm-hmm. he was doing a good job of that. Like making it everything. He was nervous. Yeah. When he was passing out, when he was angry and he almost passed out and he said to the to the other cop, uh, one of the people with him, and he said, I think it was Sergeant Atkins, I think he was talking to. And he was like, he was my best friend. Like, all this stuff is really starting to really get to him. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. He finally starts to break a little bit. 
because he's mad all the way through the movie because uh-huh. he's a cop. He's, you know, but when he's like, I lost my friend, my best friend, mm-hmm. you know, like he took it away from me. And it, just those words were like, that's how much it was hurting him. Mm-hmm. I like to see that, like mm-hmm. that yeah. stuff. But then yeah. when the nurse comes in and starts yelling again, I go, okay, okay, what movie is this? What are you doing? <laughs> it's like Frau Forbissina from uh, yeah. uh, Austin Powers. <laughs> it's like, what's going on? Well, and I yeah. think the problem was they were trying really hard to use her as a bit of a red herring. Right. So, yeah, of course. Because when, when he does go into that one slumber mode, which actually was a clever, and I I think it was on purpose, because this movie came out in 90, would have been shot in 89, Child's Play came out in 88. Obviously, Brad Dourif, voice of Chucky, Charles Lee Ray. He starts going to sleep, and, and he, he says the whole child's play line. He just went, child's play, lieutenant. And then what do they do? They cut to a little red-haired boy scene. Think about it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, the little kid. Yeah. Video. So I'm sure. sure that was it. But that whole build-up to that moment where you think she's, oh, she just came in, and she's got the, the, the – I think they were trying to throw us off the path of who the killers really were. Yeah. Oh, they did. By making her so – aloof and but it wasn't just her because i mean even like when the first murder happens in the hospital when his his friend Mm -hmm. uh father dyer dies right the one in the hospital Mm -hmm. uh and every drop of his blood was drained out of his body into these vials next to him and i mean all this horrible things happened they had cut his head off right so the police are everywhere in the hospital uh, shutting this place down, trying to figure out what's going on. And Kinderman even says, you know, make sure nobody leaves and all this. And the, and like the administrator of the hospital played by Ken Lerner. And he's like flipping out yeah, on him. Yeah, like, that, that was a little, I was getting ready for Scott to just bust him in the chops. Well, but he, it was over the top. He's like, you can't shut my hospital down. This is on you. Can, what are you doing? And I'm like, really? <laughs> A yeah. guy was just decapitated and drained like hours ago in your hospital, yeah. and you're gonna. Oh, act I'm not like- saying that there aren't flaws. I'm saying that I'm I'm very forgiving of those flaws, uh, because my my because then I would follow that up with. But George C. Scott then yells at him, but it's the way he does, and that's the scene you're talking about, right, Daryl? Yeah, yeah. And just uh, it's so, uh, dude. Uh, and by the way, just caveat a little uh, a little just slight digression. Anybody else uh, feel like if George Scott actually got in their face and yelled at them, they'd pee their pants a little bit? Because I, <laughs> I'm pretty sure I'd pee my pants if he was. In I my feel face. like through most of this, if George C. Scott got in my face to yell at me, uh, he might have a heart attack. <laughs> well, that's because he was like 80 when he made the movie. Well, no, but I mean, he always seems like he's just on the edge of angina. Like he is just mm-hmm. his veins on, on the edge of whoa, head. on the edge of what? Uh. Angina. Oh, Angina. Yeah. Well, he was a cunning linguist. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it. and uh, I'll give you this. Uh, the acting in this pulled this movie to a different level that it could not have achieved with lesser acting. And I will say, George C. Scott was fantastic. I, I liked him in it. Uh, Brad Dorf, even though I didn't like how much dialogue he had just kind of sitting there and explaining it, some of his performances were really, really good. Dude, I mean, and they think about like when you would get that, when you would go from that rage, right? To he would just go to, yeah, oh, the angry me. And he had like and a tear, and like he was so emotional, he had like tears coming down, but yet he's got yes. this almost angelic look on his face. You remember, and, and of course, and, and of course, who can forget the. 
Which actually, speaking of of that, when he does a little singing, like a little choir boy little thing. Girl. Yeah. I actually have a theory this movie is not at all about demonic possession or anything else. Much like the documentary Room 237, which I re- recently uh, sat through, <laughs> where they talk all about the theories of what The Shining is really about. I conclude that this movie is really, and, and as one who struggles with ADD, I say this movie is all about ADD. His character is not in there because he's a psycho killer. It's because he has ADD, and that's the only way they could get his ass to sit still long enough. And I have proof. Listen. I like plays. Squirrel. <laughs> if you really pay attention to his dialogue, he jumps from so many, you know, and, and then like. Inferior vena cava. Or superior vena cava. It's a matter of taste, I think, don't you? <laughs> See, everything, he's just constantly jumping the tracks. So I have the theory that, in fact, this is actually a movie that's uh, speaking out against uh, like uh, the overuse of Ritalin in today uh, and, and just ADD in general. That's my theory. What do you think? See, my, my theory was uh, this movie was really about Kinderman was the killer. I would have. I thought it was cool if they would have really went down the path of there was the appearance of supernatural stuff, but it, there really wasn't. Like right. I'm saying, the way this movie was written and the way it looked, they very easily could have made it to be that they were just messing with Kinderman, and that this guy that was the Gemini killer, or you know, he pretended to be or whatever, was just screwing with his mind. And that these other catatonics were actually, and we know we don't know, and they didn't have to explain it, so it really could have left with maybe it wasn't. So I just, I'm just saying, it could have easily been a cool twist that we don't know whether or not it was. With the exception, the one thing that was, you know, out out there was that that uh, spider the one lady. lady who was crawling. Yes, yeah, spider lady was crawling on the ceiling. Well, the movie I I did like. It was like I'm watching the movie I really wanted to see was in there. It was in it. Yes. yes. In there. But then they kept throwing in all these other things that you really just didn't didn't need. Yeah. Well, and I, and I do understand that there is apparently missing footage that uh, there's fans of the movie that have been seeking for years because Blatty's original cut there was things missing like i said they did lots of reshoots that the studio intervened mm-hmm. on so this is a movie that's a classic example of studio interference and yeah. things that we ended up seeing not necessarily being the attention like for instance i understand that one effect of the woman crawling across the ceiling there was supposed to be more of that type of thing in the movie uh, uh it's also you really think about it, especially when you go from watching exorcist which is you know almost 20 years older than this one this movie is Ver, not, it's not bloodless, but it's really oh, tame. It yeah. is really tame by comparison. I mean, are you kidding? No, no. Even... <laughs> it is. It is. What? It just the the when they use blood, when they use the scenes that they do, it was like I loved it. Like it's a wonderful life. Oh yeah, yeah, right. They, Written on the wall in blood. That was great. And, yeah, and I think, and I, Daryl, I don't. I, I know with Halloween, I'm sure we went into this to some degree. What What is your uh, what What is your feeling with gore? Like, are you somebody who prefers it? Doesn't care in you know in between? I usually can go do without it. Like, I want you to scare me, um, 
just by by the just by making a thriller to me like creeping you scare, out creep me out first don't be so obvious of when you're going to do something like when a when a character acts a way that you didn't expect it that's when it's scary yeah 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 like I thought, Jason, I'm, I'm not going to steal your thunder of describing or of letting out the bag who it is, but the scene in the confession booth with the priest, when the old woman is on the other side and you don't oh, ever see her, and, changes, you, yeah. and you and you hear her telling she has her, it's been a long time, her confession, and she had 17, and you know, and then she and then she starts in with it, she says something defective. How, how does she put it? She said, "I wish I had that clip. Actually, it's so freaking creepy. Maybe I'll get it." And then put it on here after the fact. Yeah. I don't know, uh, but she's like the first one I killed. Yeah, or yeah she, she goes. She goes. She goes with the first one with the waitress. So much blood, but I'm working on that. Father, it's just the way she. It's yeah. freaking creepy. The voice changes from normal to normal to uh, just, just. It's not really satan- demonic. It's just gravelly no. and just almost not like almost like there's no gender. Like it's just it's just evil. Like it could have been yeah. a. Ma- could have been like a woman you thought it's an old woman and then it turns into a man who takes a knife and just stabs you yeah like that's yeah that's what it could have been like it could have been a member of the lollipop guild it could have been <laughs> it, it could have been a it could have straight up been a schizophrenic man who like a buffalo bill who changes his voice because he thinks he's that person like i could yeah. see that they had taken out the this the supernatural parts of it and just and it but by the end, he could still be there, kinda. If yeah. they had it where he really believes he is, uh, has all these people inside of him, and they are murderers and killers, and every time he kills, he turns into that other person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yep. it's like a beautiful mind, only bloodier. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. So the voice you're talking about, um, which I recognized right when I when I heard it, I thought is that who I think it is? And I had to actually look it up to confirm, but it's Colleen Dewhurst who, um, I remember her voice because my, my, uh, my girls oh, all hold watched. On. Wait, dare watch. This is the part where he has to blame it on his girls as if he's not the one who watched it. Go ahead, Jay. Okay. Anne of green Gables <laughs> and Anne of Avonlea. I remember watching I, that when that it came on PBS, when it first came yep. on. Yeah. Sure. Starring Megan follows, but, uh, she plays the matron, uh, uh, in the, in the series, but, the voice, I'm like, that's she has such a distinct voice, uh, that kind of matronly voice. But she, her voice comes back in several places during the movie when Brad Dorf is talking, and like the voice of, and according to IMDb, it's the voice of Satan is her voice. So when it comes out and it's her voice, that's she's supposed to be Satan. But um, it was creepy as hell. It was creepy as hell. Very creepy. Yeah. So I wanted to talk about something that was uh, maybe creepier. And uh, freaked me out probably the most in this. Um, Patrick Ewing was in this damn movie. Yes, he was. <laughs> and I swear to God, I looked at him when they showed that scene. Uh, he's having his dream and he's seeing all these angels. And there's this angel holding. Was it, was he standing with Father Karras or? So, I forget uh, who Patrick there. Ewing as the angel next to Father Dyer in the dream sequence. The Father Dyer, okay. And I looked, and I remember thinking, God, that kid looks like Patrick Ewing. <laughs> I swear. And it wasn't until I looked it up. I did not think for a second he was in that movie. Nope. Um, Patrick Ewing. I mean, I would never have thought, you know, because I've never seen him act in anything else. And, you know, I've only seen him play basketball. So um, the fact that he was in this freaked me out. And then... 
I also see Larry King, C. Everett Coop, and Fabio. Yes, Fabio. Yeah, he's the only one that I caught when I watched it the first in time. In this movie. Yeah, when they're in the um, – it's not the dream sequence. When they're in the actual diner, uh, they, there's a table. Larry King and C. Everett Coop are sitting at the table together. Well, Fabio's in the dream sequence, though. Yes, okay. but um, Larry King's actually in the diner. Um, and I did see him, and I did see uh, Fabio. I saw Patrick Ewing, uh, Sierra Coop. According to IMDb, Samuel L. Jackson uh, yeah, is in it. I didn't see him. Well, they said he was. A, there, there's a, there is a, a man sitting, I believe, and I think he has, you know, wearing sunglasses like he's blind. The and they cane. claim it's him with a cane. So I, I would like to go back and, and revisit I didn't that. rewind it to go back and look. Everybody else I saw and recognized when I saw them, but I did not see him in there, so. But that's what a weird eclectic mix of cameos, right? Mm-hmm. Now, who would have thought it? Like, I would never imagine that they'd be in the same movie. I guess if you're going to make a movie where you're going to have a weird dream sequence, that's how you do it. It did feel like, <laughs> like a weird dream. You like, And then the kid who'd gotten beheaded comes up. And he would say, oh, he'd say yeah. he goes, oh, Marcus, I'm so sa- sorry you died <laughs> or got yes, killed. Yes, or, he's like, very, just very, I'm so sorry you got killed. Oh, that's okay, Lieutenant. Then he goes, oh. Yeah, he's like, oh, that's all right. Yeah. That's messed up. Weird. Weird. That that's out. And the movie that proves how schizophrenic this movie is. But see, in a way, I I will make this argument. And horror is the one genre where you can really get away with this and 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 not be too um I don't know, derelict in your duties as a filmmaker and storyteller. You could get away with a certain element of a movie feeling disjointed and just nightmarish because sometimes it is just the imagery and the creepy factor. Cause you think about it, a movie like this is not really the story that would have really stuck with you anyway. I mean, it was a pretty basic murder mystery, police procedural type story, which, you know, I know I really enjoy Jason. I know you're you know big into the whole like law and order type of thing. So it, it felt like law and order with, you know, the devil basically <laughs> in a lot of, in a lot of ways. And I think the fact though, that it has so many creepy moments in it and the performances, my opinion, it's, it's a superior first, first, a very superior for the third movie, especially coming after that God awful second one. I mean that I'd heard somebody put it. They said that the exorcist, they thought the exorcist was the greatest movie ever made. And the exorcist two is the worst movie ever made. <laughs> nice. Mm. So, yeah. And I, I, I didn't, I actually liked the movie. It was not as good as I would hope it to be like, I like, I like what you said, Daryl, there was a movie in there I really could love. It just didn't quite come out, you know. Uh, there are parts of it that just didn't. Quite this was seven out. before seven. Yeah, it did have a certain vibe. And actually, another another example of comparing it to something that I, I heard that I liked was someone said that it was as if William Peter Blatty was David Lynch's nicer filmmaking twin. Because this did have a David Lynch vibe to it in the weird factor. You know, just the weird crap happening on the periphery and in the background and characters changing. But at the same time, David Lynch's movies go, I think, in a lot of ways to even darker places. Even though this movie's you know, yeah. dealing with the subject matter it's dealing with. So, but I and I got that. I got what they meant. It's almost more... And I think, Jason, in a way, you... I don't know how many David Lynch movies you guys have seen, but... It, you probably have a similar reaction in that a lot of times they can feel a bit disjointed and uh, schizophrenic, but I, I mean, it's intentional. I mean, he's trying to you know mess with your head. And there's a lot of symbolism and things like that, yeah. but, but 
it, it, but as a result, a lot of David Lynch's movies are freaking creepy. You know, there's just, just it, you feel off balance. You feel like just things aren't, something's wrong. And I think that's what this movie had going for it personally. Yeah. And I, and it set it up perfectly because the whole concept was there were people that were uh, crazy. I mean, they were psychopaths. So you were, you were almost in their minds feeling all this, uh, um, what's reality, what's not, what's going on. And I like that. And I think that a good yeah. horror movie does do that well. And I think this movie did that well. Um, I just think there were parts where it felt like they hit the brakes a little too much. You know what I mean? It this, slowed down. The scene where she's the, the the woman, if he possesses the the woman, the old lady, and she goes to the house. Oh, yeah. the nurse. And Kill his daughter. Rushes, and he rushes to the house, and he gets in there, and then it gets calm. And then he's talking to her. And then all when she takes that thing out, <laughs> yes, cut her neck off. Yes, I wanted First you to of see all, this the mother, the the wife seemed like she, it was not real. Uh-huh. It didn't seem like life. It was a dream. She was just too smiley face too yeah. much. Uh-huh. Yes, and you felt like this is not real. Is this is this really happening, or is he still? Is did he fall asleep somewhere in the yes. sanitarium area, or or what? Because you just think. This is not a real scene because it just was so it was just so weird. And then especially at when it's either the mother or the grandmother grabs. Yeah, the, the way the, the movement was of her. It's really like supernatural. Speed. Yes. Yeah. But um, I mean, that had a very David Lynch vibe to me, like, especially like the way like what you said, Daryl, about the mother. Just the way she just stood there pointing. Like, wouldn't you? Oh, but then again, you don't know. Some people would freeze. They wouldn't react. And the idea is that it's happening very fast. But. Yeah, the whole thing did feel very weird, but to me, it felt weird in a good way. Yeah. Like, it didn't bother me. I didn't go out. Of, because the whole movie was so weird that way that I never, I think in another movie where they were trying to be realistic. Yeah. Like, the original Exorcist, for instance, everything about that movie, the reason why it works is it does feel so real at yeah. times, almost documentary-like, that if somebody had reacted in that way, or if be, it would have just completely blown that one apart. Yeah, no doubt. That's what I like. Like that, the the parts of like I said with Seven. This is reminds me of Seven, and this is before that, because I want to feel the scary part is what is she going to do to his family? Mm-hmm. That's what scares me. Yeah, yeah. the what if? Yeah. yeah, you're right. That's that's the fear, and and he is breaking. Like he is to the point where he he doesn't know what the hell to do. So you're saying yeah. George C. Scott's just like Brad Pitt? <laughs> Better. But better. <laughs> he's a little bit of both because he 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 is a hothead, but at the yeah. same time, he's the experienced cop. Yeah, he is. He did have so he had actually right. He's like Morgan Freeman, and we're not implying that uh, Andrew Kevin Walker was a huge Exorcist three fan and used that as a template for the screenplay of Seven. We're not implying that at all. No, but just the <laughs> way that it's done. Yeah, yeah I, I know what you're saying. He's taking like the, when you do Seven. The fear, because that movie is almost, it is horrible. To me, it is a horror movie. Which one, yeah. Seven? Yeah. Yeah. I, it, seven breaks, I, I have that whole personal thing where I feel like it, for it to be a quote-unquote true genre horror movie, it has to have you know the unknown or some hint of the supernatural in it. Seven technically doesn't, but I would say Seven still falls in the thriller suspense camp, but it is horror-freaking-fying. I mean, that movie is scary as hell, so... Because you don't know. You don't know wh- who this person is. You don't know who's going to get killed. There's no faith. <coughs> yeah. There's a there's a sense of danger because you don't know 
what the reason is. Like you don't, there's no reason given, and I don't want a reason. Like that's that's good horror too. Don't give me a You're reason right. why. Yeah. Well, that's the explain. unknown. That's the unknown for sure. Yeah, it's just the unknown. There's no such thing as this person is innocent. He killed bad people. No, I don't know who he's going to kill. Yeah, but my thing is, I don't don't explain nothing. I don't need to know mm-hmm. exactly the reason for him going crazy. All I need to know is that he's out there. The the every all the info I need is from that doctor that's running around with mm-hmm. his little six shooter, mm-hmm. and he's yelling <laughs> shit at me. He's yelling shit at me like he's a thing. He's possessed. He is this. You can't stop him. You have to kill him. Yep. That's we, all I need. So Daryl, <laughs> yes, we have we have started something anew at Forgotten Flicks. It may not uh-huh. go past the Spooky Flicks Fest, but we're gonna throw it out there for you. We have a rating system now. Okay, and not like as in. You know, rating games or rating movies like as in content, but as in rating them in how much you liked them or in certain cases didn't like them. And the rating system is simple. One to five. However, it's all based on the idea that you've rented this movie from your local mm-hmm. mom and pop because lackluster video doesn't exist in our 1983 world or wherever we're at right now. And you have rented this from some mom and pop video store, VHS. OK, new release. Boom, got it down. I guess it wouldn't have been 1983, it would have been 1990. I digress. So, <laughs> get the title, the, the date. Mm-hmm. So, you've gone to rent this movie, and you, on a scale of one to five, love it so much, you're willing to keep it out extra day. So, let's say you, keep, you want to keep it like an extra two days past your due date. You're going you're gonna to pay a fine. That could be a three or even a four. A five would be you love it so much you're going to go and lie to them and say the damn thing got stolen and that you were even willing to pay the $85 to replace it because you want to keep it that bad. Okay? Now, we'll, we'll, we'll forget the fact that in 1990 you could have easily bought this movie for like $9.95 at Walmart. That's not the point. And a one would be you hated it so much that you took it, you may not even have finished it. You definitely didn't rewind. You were not kind. You did not rewind it. You were taking it back to the store, and you're going to pop it down there on the counter and demand your damn money back. Okay. So for you, from one to five. I, could I give it a 2.5? Uh, well, we did. I, I, I was a shot down with decimals. I tried decimals early on. I was shot down. So I will say it has to be a two or a three. Damn. That makes it harder, doesn't it? Because I like it. I do like it. It's a movie that it spooked me. I, I did his acting in it and, and some of the actors. Great, great stuff. But I don't think I would want to pay extra for another day. I would even watch it the one time and enjoy it mm-hmm. like I did, and then bring it back. Mm-hmm. So it had to be a two. I'm, I'm going to agree with you. I, I, would, I enjoyed it. I would definitely keep it. I no complaints, uh, any of that. But I, I wouldn't rewatch it a bunch of times and keep it an extra day. I'd, I'd give it a solid two. Not unless they do the other cut. Like if they do the other cut, the original cut that the director wanted to do. Yeah. I would, I would buy that. I would because I want to see what it would look like what he originally wanted to do when it was yeah. Legion. I think you're both crazy. I give it a four. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I don't give it a four. Uh, <laughs> I would give it a three. Because I do like it. I, I acknowledge yeah. a, there's a hint of C&D in that. I totally admit that. I like it. I would have watched it at least the one time, probably at least one more time. I Three okay. to me is I still bring it back. It might be a day late, but, you know, it's I'm not paying more than an extra day for it. Uh, a four, of course, would be like at least I kept I might even kept it out a week 
but again, we go with five as you kept it out forever. A three, solid three for me. I All enjoy right. it. I like it. I you know saw it a bunch of times. Kids, I watched it this time. I would probably watch it again in in a few years. I think it'd be fun to watch when my kids are old enough to handle certain parts, just to get the crap scared out of them during that you know yeah, yeah. scene. So. Yeah, I would give it a three. So I think that's where we're we're all similar. Pretty close, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'd give The Exorcist, uh, uh, the original, a five. Oh, yeah, I'd, five. I'd buy that yeah, shit it's, a, it's, it's a, a five. five. It's a five. Yeah, we don't even have to hesitate. And this that isn't just fanboy. I always popular again, to say. No, five, it's it's an amazing movie. <laughs> it scared the crap out of me when I rewatched it. Even now, it still scared the shit out of me. So. And and the other one uh, with uh, Linda Blair doing a disco dance, I, that gets a five, too. Yes, don't talk about that one. I'm you would, you would, Daryl. You would, you would. <laughs> just for the disco dance. Oh, well, okay, just for that. Okay, I'll give you that. Yeah, see, we're not going to do pick. We're not going to do a pick for The Exorcist, but just in case we did, I was ready with Roller Boogie, starring Linda Blair from uh, 1979. Of course, of course you were, because Jason didn't get the memo that this is spooky <laughs> flicks fest. Watch oh. that movie. If you aren't scared, you're not alive. <laughs> yeah, so true. All right, gents, are you ready to do a little movie pickage? Yes. All right. Hey, this is Ken Forey, and you're listening to Forgotten Flicks. Tune in to ForgottenFlicks.com. Get your horror news, baby. It's for you. Ken Forey and out. Dawn of the Dead. And... I admit it. I like Texas Chainsaw 3. He was in that. He plays a survivalist. You ever see that, Daryl? Uh, yes, I did. Did you like it? Be, uh, be honest. I barely remember. They all blend together after two. You don't remember, <laughs> Ken, you don't remember Ken Foray? He was like the survivalist guy that ends up kind of helping them and then dying. <laughs> Spoiler alert. I kind of I kind of okay. do. I kind of remember him as one of the black, uh, one of the many black people that get killed in the horror movie. It's a it's a it's a, it's a bit of a trope. I will say he kicks a lot of ass we though. No, we we make note of that. Like <laughs> the one cool guy that yeah. comes out of there. He's like he's like a, a he's the magical black character that knows what to do. It's like the legend of Bagger Vance with a chainsaw. Yeah, he is. <laughs> He's like, don't do this, you don't do that. Yeah. And then he gets to a certain point, yeah. and then he gets killed, and yeah. he's gone again. And you could even think that even down the line, he was already dead. He was just a ghost that came and showed him the way. Like, I could be surprised that they did that. I'm trying to remember, did, did LL Cool J die? He didn't die in H2O. No, he died in the shark one. I think. No, he didn't. No, no, he lived in that one. No. Oh, so oh, here's the, okay. So we now found the exception that proves Daryl's rule if LL Cool J is in your movie, he's going to live. Well, two black people, yeah, if there are two black men in the movie, one of them is going to die. The oldest one is going to die. Oh, Remember, it was LL Cool J, and it was, uh, was it? Uh, Samuel, Samuel Jackson, Jackson died early, yeah. Yeah, that was one of the best right. death scenes in any movie ever. <laughs> right. So that's how you know. That shark? That's how you know, usually. Okay. Two black guys in it. One, the oldest one is going to die. Well, Samuel Jackson <laughs> will die in the new RoboCop because he's supposed to be the Ronnie Cox character, I think. Oh, of course he will. Have no, you seen he'll... the trailer for that? Yes. I didn't... It's a different movie. Oh, it's totally different. I didn't hate the trailer as much as I thought I would. <clears throat> I didn't either. This is an action adventure for kids. It really is. It's like, yeah, it is it's very much a... It's like RoboCop 3, only watchable, which, no offense, Mr. Decker, right. I love Monster Squad and Night of the Creeps, forgive me. But RoboCop 3 is virtually unwatchable and 
Yeah, I think that's what it's going to be. Yeah. All right, so we go to our picks now? Oh, yeah, I guess. <laughs> I say we let our guest go first. Uh, well, my first pick, which is always going to be my first pick, is going to be Halloween, the original. All right. Because it it still, to this day, scares the shit out of me. Not yeah. Not part <laughs> eight, Resurrection. No. Wait, Buster Rhymes, he... Oh, wait, never mind. <laughs> it, it scares me, and Don Pleasance is the perfect person to come in and tell me that this guy is the... He's a monster. Yeah. Like, I tried to do... I tried to help him, and I couldn't... He's so far gone that he is a monster. Well, and then and to make it even, and make it even scarier, he starts by telling us, I knew he was a monster from when he was six years old. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. That, this, that, just, that movie, it, that is one of the, there, you know, and I, Joel and I have talked about this in the past, that having seen so many horror movies, I feel like maybe something that would have scared me is uh, when I was younger or hadn't seen as much, uh, uh, it just doesn't anymore. There are a handful of movies that don't seem to lose any steam even now, and that's one of them. Halloween, The Thing, Exorcist, just uh, this movie. That scene where he's standing down the street and kind of pops out from the bush. Oh, when the girls are walking down the street? Yes, that just, that's creepy as hell. It's a, it's the, That whole neighborhood is just scary. Mm-hmm. And to the day, if it's like that, if it's kind of, the sun is starting to set, and I'm walking, and mm-hmm. you, you pass it out. <laughs> I swear, I still think of yeah that movie. There's something awesome about the image of you getting creeped out and walking faster, faster, and like imagining yourself as Laurie Strode. Yes, <laughs> I want to no, see you in like a, a Laurie Strode wig, <laughs> holding books. You know, that's another horror movie in itself. That's a whole. <laughs> yeah, <That's> it. <laughs> I, I will say though, I seem to recall though in the Halloween episode, and maybe it was just me at the time. Because I love Halloween. I still love it. I still think it's classic. Love the music. I love everything about it. But I remember vaguely because, you know, it's been a year and, you know, hell, I don't remember what, like, the last episode we did, what we said. But I seem to remember that I didn't find it scary anymore. Like, I didn't, it didn't affect me like it did what one time. Like, it's almost like now it's like just spending time it's gonna sound really bizarre spending time with an old friend <laughs> you know like like just nice. I, I liked it i'm comfortable with it i i know it really well but i don't now that being said i really want to watch it again because a lot of times it depends on where you're i mean if i was being interrupted at the time and you know things are going on around me it, you know there's a lot of variables that can affect the experience of watching a movie but i don't know and, and i guess the original halloween i don't know that it ever like scared me scared me i just have always loved it like it definitely is suspenseful, but I don't, I don't know. Like looking back on it, like, whereas the exorcist, I always found to be creepy and scary. Uh, the original chainsaw massacre, Dawn of the dead, um, you know, movies like that. I just, my sense is I have this weird, like love and appreciation for Halloween. And, and there were moments that definitely scared me, but as a whole, I don't, rem- I don't know that it ever really, really did. Does that make sense? Yeah. Well, yeah. Kind of. Yeah. Right. yeah, I don't know. <laughs> and I can't believe there is one thing we have not discussed at all. At all. Jay. That's up there, man. That's a creepy-ass song. Yeah, the music that wasn't the music for the movie. So. All right. 
<laughs> Although I will say, I think it was actually, even though it was only at the very, very beginning of Exorcist 3 that they played it. Yeah. It was played for better effect than in the original. Because in the original, the first time they cue it is when Ellen Burstyn's character, um, why am I brain farting on her name? McNeil. I'm brain. I know McNeil is the last name. So Ms. Ms. McNeil is walking along, and it's and actually the other thing about that movie is I forgot it's a Halloween movie because remember the kids run by trick or treating. Uh, they're running. Yeah, they're actually trick or treating. It is a great hall. I mean, it, it, it feels very autumnal and just chilly. Chris and, McNeil. Oh, Chris, Chris, that was it, Chris. Yeah, I think it. I mean, it's got a good effect for her walking to hear that. I mean, it's almost like the Halloween theme kicking up when Tommy is walking, you know, past the school, but. I don't know. Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't, it was, it was used there. And I think one other time, was it when the, when Marin shows up at the house, do they use it there too? I don't think they used it there. No, it, it only seemed to be kind of at odd times. Like they didn't use it throughout the entire movie. It wasn't the main scary parts. It was just a couple of little <laughs> pieces. The mu- the music itself is, it's very intense uh, and fantastic, but it, it wasn't a huge part of the movie. Like, other scores have been like some of the really good ones we've talked about that play into the movie the entire way and add tension the entire time. It was only a couple of little parts that really had that, that strong piano uh, riff going through it. So still great, great music. Yeah. And, And I think it's, it's as iconic as Halloween's theme or jaws or I'm a fan of the phantasm theme. Like I hear that music. Boom. I know exactly the movie and the moment. Of seeing, you know, so I personally love it. So anyway, Jay, what is your movie pick? All right. So um, mine's something we've actually covered before, but I uh, I wanted to pick it because of a connection to the screaming nurse, Nancy Fish. It is Dr. Giggles, which also starred Nancy Fish and was something we covered on, Spook- uh, not Spooky Flicks Fest, but we covered, actually, yeah, it was a horror movie, but we didn't cover it during Spooky Flicks Fest. So that's why I picked Dr. Giggle. Cool. And, and, and a nice little uh, connection to a past episode. All right. My pick from 1983. I know that you guys love this movie. It's, uh, it's one of your all-time favorites. It is called Curtains. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Jason, have you ever heard of Curtains? Uh, no. Never. Mm, no okay you sure uh no okay okay i actually think you've mentioned it before but i've never seen it or heard of it i mean i i I recall you referencing it maybe but no okay i have never seen it in its entirety there's one scene in particular similar to exorcist 3 that is creepy that i've seen Uh, it involves a, a murder of a girl while she's ice skating in broad daylight and there's this, the killer is wearing this mask, but it's like this old hag kind of mask and comes after her on ice skates. The premise is a small group of actresses go up to this mansion, this isolated mansion to audition for a movie. The uh, main actor is John Vernon, uh, which of course was in Animal House. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, Dean Wormser, and he was also in Killer Clowns from Outer Space. He mm-hmm. is Jonathan, Jonathan Stryker the director of the movie that they are auditioning for. So it's kind of has this mystery murder mystery aspect to it. Uh, it had a lot of problems. I guess in 1980 is when they started filming it. It's a Canadian production and it didn't get released to 83. So if that puts in perspective, they, they definitely had some problems along the way. Um, I think it's available. I'm pretty sure it's available on DVD now. And I've heard it's not a great 
version, like the quality is just not great. I'm pretty sure you can at least catch clips of it on YouTube. And like I said, the ice skating scene, creepy. I've seen that before. Uh, so curtains from 1983. That is my pick. Wow. That, that lady's mask looks freaking told you. Uh, crazy. Like I'm sure the movie's probably really, really awful, but yeah. that little touch. And apparently there's a, a dream sequence with a doll, which we both know is always creepy. So <laughs> yes. So Daryl, thank you very, very much for joining us for three years <laughs> in a row for the Halloween. I always have fun. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. Even, even though you're dying, even though I'm dying, we're glad we could be the last podcast you were ever on. <laughs> That'll be our claim to fame. Me too. And well, of course people can find you by checking out the Taylor network of podcast.com, which of course the Taylor network, what do you have about 85 podcasts on there? now? About maybe seven or eight. Uh, okay. Not all of them are, are ones that I'm even on, but they're, they're just a C. It's a family of podcasts that have different things from movies to comics to professional people that are in professionally in comics to movies to uh, comedy. So it's just all under an umbrella where you can have the choice to uh, check them out, all of them, or, or pick the ones that you're into. Cool. Nice. Excellent. Excellent. So thank you so much for being on it was awesome and uh thanks again to our buddies midnight syndicate count gore and i actually want to give a shout out to i, I received an email about a week and a half two weeks ago from a gentleman which until i was telling jason about it before the show i didn't even put two and two together because again quick on the upswing am i <clears throat> his name on the email was sam haynes as in sam hayne as in Halloween. Yeah, yeah. I get it, I get it yeah. now. And uh, I, I'm assuming it's also Paul is the same individual. And he sent me a, a download link for an album that uh, is put out called Welcome to the Horror Show. And they do this kind of a throwback to the 70s, 80s, electronic Carpenter-esque vibe, you know. And I've listened to a little bit so far. We're going to put a review on the site uh, right around Halloween time. So by the time you're hearing this, it should be up. And uh, so far, what I've heard, very cool. So uh, I'll have links to to their stuff on there when it's good to go. But I did want to give them a quick shout out. So again, thank you to Daryl and Jason. Would you like to wrap things up here with a little contacting yeah. knowledge? Uh, yes, uh, check us out on Facebook. We've got the podcast page. You can uh, see some of the artwork and the episodes go up there as well as some movie links. Or you can join our Facebook group. We have all kinds of other discussions on there um, and go into other movie topics and other things that we don't actually have to cover on the podcast. Uh, and be sure, by all means, check us out at ForgottenFlix.com. That's Flix with an X. And I think that's it. Any final words, gents? Uh, happy Halloween, kitties. Yeah. Oh, yeah, happy Halloween. Don't let crazy people into your neighborhood. <laughs> I'm going to go watch Black Christmas for, for Halloween. <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> happy Halloween. Stay safe. Make sure your parents check your candy and no razor blades in your apples. Yes. And, <laughs> and wash your hands when you're at a con, please, people. <laughs>